0: This podcast is sponsored by King Manual Therapy, restoring function to body and voice. Hello and welcome to Industry Minds, the podcast which discusses the importance of talking about mental health within the creative arts. My name is Cathy Reids And I'm Scarlett Maltman. And today we are joined by Michael Harris, who is the Managing Director and Senior Agent at Apollo Artist Management. Hiya.
1: Hello. Lovely to meet you, How are to you today? You yeah, really good. Really good, thank you.
2: From Michael's lovely office, there's a candle going. I love it. So, we always start with a word association game, Okay. so the first thing that comes into your head, are you ready? <sighs>
1: Not really, but go on.
2: <laughs> right. Submissions.
1: Uh, spotlight.
2: Peanut butter. Oh, horrible. Love Island.
1: I love it. Emails. I weirdly like emails. Do you? Yeah, I really do. Oh, I
2: love it. Spotlight.
1: The source of this industry. Ooh.
2: Press night.
1: I love a press night. Do you? What's yeah. a
2: press night drink?
1: Probably a pink drink. Press.
2: Pink drink. Oh, yeah.
1: Some sort of pink drink, which is yeah. Love it.
2: Love I have it. a
1: lot of casting directors who go really interesting. <laughs> interesting. Uh,
2: last one. Ice cream.
1: Ooh, uh, I'm lactose intolerant, but Swedish glace or sorbet. I oh, love it, yeah. love it. Do
2: you just pop a lactose pill? Uh,
1: no, well, no. <laughs> the, the Swedish glace is lacto-free.
2: Oh, and,
1: uh, and sorbet has no dairy in it, so that's... Oh, I get around it, don't you yeah. worry, don't you worry.
2: Love it,
0: love it. Amazing. So, as we said, we're thrilled to have you uh, on the podcast to chat all things agenting and mental health. Um, can you chat to us about what led you into the creative arts when you were younger? Because you haven't always been an agent, have you?
1: No, I haven't. I was a performer. My thing was my singing when I was a kid. You know, my mum would always get me to sing in the car. We'd always sing Les Mis. That's what we'd yes. always come down to London and see. I'm from Manchester, so we'd always travel down a lot and, and see Les Mis. And so my voice really kind of molded to that style. But growing up, my love for musicals was, was very strong. I wasn't very academic. I was a bit of a problem child with my behaviour. I didn't exactly like being told what to do, put it that way. (laughs) You can see why I've got my own business already. (laughs) I was very creative as a child. I loved expressing myself, not necessarily writing essays, but in in the practical stuff. And uh, whenever I did drama, I excelled a lot. And as I said, my voice was my strongest suit. I went to boarding school um, at a place called Giggleswick, yeah. Oh my God! Yeah, and it's next door to Wigglesworth, um, which is rather funny. Yeah, it's brilliant, but it's in North Yorkshire. It's a fantastic school. And, and it was very much a decision that my brother went there, uh, not to Giggleswick but, but to another boarding school. And my mum sort of went, do you want to go? And I looked up to my brother a fair amount and it became a thing that I went, yeah, I'd love to go. I mean, I didn't exactly enjoy being away from home immediately when Mm -hmm. I got there, but I got used to it. And I suppose I I was a big fish in a small pond at at Giggleswick where I was Mm -hmm. the one that always craving attention and I'd always go and sing in all the concerts and be in all the plays and musicals Mm -hmm. and stuff. So I loved that. Then I had the opportunity to... My mum sort of called me up and said, I found this place called Arts Educational School, Tring Park. And I thought to myself, okay... And we said, do you want to give it a go? It's focused on performing, vocational stuff. So we went to sort of view it and it was right up my street, to be honest. Mm. And I did sixth form there. And it was an opportunity to academic in the morning and and vocational in the afternoon. And it really helped give me what I needed. Um, And it's a fantastic, fantastic school. But I started there on the acting course. Uh, even though I was a singer. I, I, I don't know what... I can't even remember why that happened. And I remember the the principal of the school, who still is the principal to this day, I think he said that he remembered my singing audition. Mm. Again, that I had a beautiful voice and all this sort of thing. So I don't know why I started on the acting course. But it was very quick. Yeah. Quickly, I went to the, the office and said, look, is there any chance I can move over to the musical theatre course? And I did. And I had a great time from there. And it was an opportunity for me to be less of a big fish... You know, everyone was very talented there, um, and I became, uh, I suppose, I flourished in, in being able to show off my creative side. Love
2: that, amazing. Yeah. I really not want to hear you sing though. Yeah. Not going <laughs> to happen. Not going to happen.
1: Not going to happen. Yeah, no, unfortunately, I, I, which we can move on to in a bit later on, but I, I essentially gave up being an actor because my voice became an issue. Okay. So, yeah.
2: Can talk about it now if you want,
1: yeah, fine. I mean, uh, I, I, I was a performer for many years, and and I going back to, to, to me as a child, I was born with clubbed feet. So, uh, for anyone that doesn't know that, uh, it's where your feet are, are sort of born horizontally inwards mm-hmm. and, and your knees face forward, your whole, your whole leg face forward, but your feet are bent inwards. Mm-hmm. And I was told when I was, I think, I had about seven or eight operations as a child, uh, major operations for the first few years of my life i think my mum told me that i you know i'd have uh, all my baby photos are with casts on my feet and, and supposedly mm-hmm. i'd have to go to the uh, the hospital every saturday and get them sawn off back in those days and and redone every saturday i had special shoes with screws in them and, and, and it was tough and when i got to early teens i had my last major operation and somewhere in my teens i had i had a, an appointment where i was told mm-hmm. look you can fuse your bones together, but you you won't be able to really run or anything like that. Which So I just said, oh, that's not an option. And they said, what we can do is is do this last operation, which was extending the Achilles, but you won't be a professional dancer in any way. And I sort of went, okay, interesting, because that's kind of where I want to go, not necessarily being a ballet dancer, but being in that world. And, and I kind of told them to um, shove it, really, yeah. and, and pursued my career anyway. And so I thought going into my career that this would be, you know, I knew that probably by 30 that my career would be coming to an end in a, in a movement kind of way. Um, but weirdly enough, I I got vocal issues. And to this day, we don't know what it is. One day it was, I could sing really beautifully. And then the next day it was just, it was as though I was trying to cough through a little croak and it wouldn't clear. Uh, went to the best people in the, in the country and they just kept saying it was acid reflux, which is a lot of what people tell you. If they, if they don't know what it is, it can sometimes be, oh, yeah, you've got acid reflux. And d- not to say that acid reflux, you don't have acid reflux, but I just didn't feel like I did. And I, I might have done, but it just never got fixed. I, I had the omeprazole. I had the, the honey and all this sort of stuff that a lot of the listeners will probably know about. And I it just never really worked. I went to the best singing teacher in the industry, who is Matthew Shaw and he improved it dramatically Mm -hmm. but there was still anatomical reason as to why this was happening and we couldn't get there Mm -hmm. and i always wanted to be the best throughout my whole life i've always wanted to be the best at whatever i do and if i can't be the best at whatever i do then i kind of it's not as exciting anymore to me it's not it's not something i want to really go for and in no way is this a dig on anybody that does smaller shows in any way I just never had that dream I always dreamt of the big lights and the, you know the End stage and me being a, a lead on the west end and I didn't I didn't want to do something a lot smaller without the potential of doing something much yeah. bigger and once I got to a point where my voice had got worse and worse and worse and I knew that I was getting not so many recalls as I used to I used to get recalls more or less every time mm. now I was getting none and it kind of affected me and so I was just like I, c- I can't do this anymore and and decided to move into agenting. Amazing,
2: wow. incredible story. Yeah. It, it's it's a tough one, yeah. there's, there's
1: a lot of incredible stories along the way but yeah it's, it's yeah. yeah.
2: What would you um, offer any advice obviously, especially for dancers, injury and vocal issues and all that can have a huge impact. Yeah. Could you give any advice to someone that's maybe struggling with
1: um, an injury or Yeah, and weirdly enough, I I have a few different stories of my life that have put me through that. Both the story I just told you about my vocals, um obviously me being born with club feet, you know, to this day now I used to play football. We have a we have an industry football group.
0: Oh, I love that. Wow. Yeah, there's uh, there's
1: casting directors, there's there's agents, there's actors, wow. there's photographers. There's, you know, a guy who runs one of the best extras agencies. We used to play football a few years ago and, and then all of a sudden I just got my feet get worse and worse and worse. And now I, I can't really run 100 metres without getting pain throughout my legs. Yeah. So I have that experience. But also uh, my first job was Mamma Mia. Um, I came out of college. I trained at Mount View and then I, I finished and I auditioned. And the fantastic Stephen Paling, who gave me my first job. It was it was an incredible job to get. Um, and then about, I can't remember. I think it was about two months in or something. I I came off stage and I I had a a real bad pain in my ankle throughout my bones, and it, I just I couldn't go any further, so I stopped and came out. And I came I ended up coming home, and I went to uh, the physio, and they said basically what you've got is you you've got a bruised bone. That's all it is. You need six weeks out, but bruise bones can take a while to heal, but you need about six weeks out from doing the show. So Mamma Mia quite rightly said, right, well, we don't want to risk anything, so we'll give you 12 weeks to sort yourself out and come back. Now, I'd already had a few weeks before I got back and had an appointment and stuff, so I'd already been out. And then the date that I was due to come back was about four and a half months later. And it was quite a, a, a way out. You know, I had to go back to being in front of house and uh, didn't get paid real real tough and I missed out on the sort of the, the touring life to a certain extent so I went to physio twice a week and I ended up just getting you know normal physio stretching and then at two points during the recovery one one day I woke up and I had this itching feeling couldn't couldn't not itch and this blister grew and grew and grew went to see a doctor doctor random doctor said we want to give you steroids we think it's just something we will give you steroids great fantastic anyway that started to go back down and it went and i thought great okay fine then came off the steroids and then a couple of weeks later this blister came back up again uh, this time i went again my doctor was in manchester so i kept going to sort of emergency doctors and they said we want to give you antibiotics i was a bit like okay but the steroids kind of worked and they were anyway it didn't work, the, the antibiotics, and this, this blister grew and grew and grew, and it grew to about the size of a tennis ball on the back of my foot, mm-hmm. so much so that I couldn't walk, and what happened was I ended up coming up to Manchester to see a specialist doctor who was going to slice it off, essentially, but it was massive, and, and he said I, I, he'd never seen anything that big, and it was this sort of ball of, and you could poke it, it's very soft, and oh. it was like, if you popped it, this, you know, so we ended up saying, right, well, you need an operation where you go in general anaesthetic and get it thing off and then you need about three weeks just to sort of let the skin heal problem was I was back in two weeks so I went back to mama Mia and said look I, I need one more week and that's all it is and they said look I, I think I think it's right that you go and sort yourself out you know there's obviously we've taken four and a half months out we need to kind of fill that spot and quite rightly filled my spot the here comes the the horrible part of the story when I went in for the operation they did an MRI just before I went under anaesthetic and he'd said to me look there's something in the MRI that I'm not quite sure about I'm not a specialist in that area but I want to send you to a rheumatologist so I had the operation came out and then the next day I would picked up the phone mirror that's when I heard and then I had the rheumatologist appointment the day after went into the rheumatologist and he basically said that it was a misdiagnosis that you don't have a bruised bone you have a temporary kind of arthritis which is basically liquid within the bones and that if I'd have given you these pills within a day you would have been fine and doing the show. Oh my so I'd spent four and a half months out, been misdiagnosed by the physio. And to be fair, it was a rare, a rare thing. And obviously they'd given the job away at this point. So I lost my job and that was really tough for me. I went through a really, really bad point where I, I sort of never worked for the rest of the year because I was just in a, in a weird place and, and, it was, and it was tough. It was really tough to lose my job, to, to lose the opportunity of all my friends on tour. Not to be able to go back out and tour with them, and 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 essentially not finish the show. I, I to this day, I I miss the show. I, I I feel like it's unfinished business. And weirdly enough, I last year I had the girl that played Lisa, and then recently I've just got an ensemble member who's covered Lisa, who's just opened in the new cast. Um, who's both of them are absolutely brilliant, but it means I have to go into the show yeah. constantly taking people and, and showing them off. So do you know what? I love the show, and it's and.
2: So sorry, that's it. Do you know what?
1: I thought about it and I thought there's no way that this didn't happen for a reason,
2: yeah,
1: for For it to happen within a day and everything like it, just Mm -hmm. you know, it it all happens for a reason,
0: yeah, absolutely. Absolutely,
1: weirdly enough, there are people in the world that are successful sportsmen and people Mm. in the industry, you know, Steven Gerrard had club feet. Um, He only had one and I don't know whether it was as severe, but you can have both. You can have just one. It can be just slightly inwards. It can be, so it all kind of depends. I'm not a specialist in it, but I know that, you know, it can be sometimes, but the problem I've got now is that my feet are facing forward, which is great, but my knees now face outwards, and everything's a bit off
0: yeah. kilt.
1: So it just it just creates a lot of pain on yeah, a daily yeah. basis. But I'm kind of used to that now.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah, so, cool. yeah. Um, so can you chat to us about your own experiences mental health, be it with you or with family members and friends? Just how aware you've been of it over the years?
1: Yeah, I, I I've had struggles within my life personally. I was a I would say I was a troubled kid. I, you know, I had. Had certain issues throughout my life of settling into situations, whether it be a boarding school, which can be very, very difficult, you know, being bullied a lot, all those sorts of things, and then coming into this industry, it's an incredibly hard industry to be in, really, as you will know. I always say actors are, are fools in a way because it's, what is it, eighty percent of actors are out of work or something like that. It's probably more than that, you know. So. The, the stress that you can go through with being in this industry is a lot but we do it because we love it but we suffer through the pains of it um, and like I say with the Mamma Mia situation that certainly tested me a lot but you know I have I have experiences in my family uh, where people suffer from mental health and it can be really tough and there's a responsibility not just on that person because a lot of people misunderstand depression and anxiety in in a way of thinking that it, it it's on them and it's not actually it's something that's really important to me is it's other people as well it's your friends being able to go up to that person saying are you okay texting you know I have my best mate on a, on a regular occasion you know just texts and says hi what's up what are you doing today mm-hmm. and I think that's really important but also it, it's not reacting to certain people because you think they're an attention seeker or they are you know, they're, they're saying all those things when they don't. A lot of people will say depression, oh, everyone's got depression. You know, everyone has, you know, it's just pe- people being sad. And there is a massive difference between yeah. feeling sad and having a medical diagnosis of depression. Yeah. Um, it's okay. not as easy as cheer up. Yeah. And so many people without it who haven't suffered through it will say cheer up you know it's fine you know everything's okay and actually that's not what they want to hear that you know they want the support they want they want to rant they want to get it off their chest and and just be able to talk to someone mm-hmm. i had a fantastic uh, chris hocking who is um the head big up yeah. chris hocking he was in the office a, a little while that's ago awesome. and and i i was trying to push for colleges to really take that into consideration and, mm. and I have to say the plans that he's already put in place at Arts Ed and the future plans that he's got are, are really important because it's very true that so many kids at the moment are coming through the colleges suffer with mental health, more and more and more suffer with some sort of mental health and, and a lot of people will get annoyed by someone with mental health issues because they think that they're just annoying or they're attention seeking and the more that you react by saying, oh, for God's sake, and you get annoyed by them, it's actually just making it worse.
2: Yeah. So in 2017, you set up Apollo Artist Management. Setting up your own agency is a big move. Why did you decide to do this?
1: I don't know. With <laughs> the bougie glasses? <laughs> With the bougie glasses, yeah. I, do you know what? I, I, it, it was a really difficult decision, but I, I, I my agenting career, I, I worked for two different agents, both fantastic agencies. Uh, one was Identity Agency Group, mm-hmm. who look after John Boyega, Letitia Wright. But it, they just ran their agency in a specific way. And I you know, I decided that I needed something a, a little bit smaller and a bit a, a bit more creative in, in that sense. At least I wanted to be a creative input, and they already had an incredible thing going. Mm-hmm. So I eventually joined Bolan and Reeve um, after about two years at Identity. And also, identity had TV and film, and I had a love for both TV and film and for musical theater. And so I moved to Berlin and Reeve, where Bo is the head agent there and and we just clicked. It just really worked really well with us. and we really treated the clients the way that I felt that they should. you know Bo taught me really well to to make sure that everyone felt that they had somebody there to talk to. And so two years later, I'd got to a point where I just felt like I knew everybody in the industry and I knew how to negotiate contracts. I knew how to do all of that sort of stuff. When I started, I, I wanted to either become, you know, make it Bolan, Harris and Reeve maybe, um, or go off and do it on my own. And I think as I, as I sort of went through, I, I, I learned that I wanted to have my own name. And my, my reputation was being grown as Michael at Bolan Reeve, which was fantastic. But I knew that 10 years down the line, if I wanted to go and do it again, that name would have to start again. Um, and so, I, you know, I've always been very driven um, and very determined to create something like that. And I just said to Bo, can I go off and do it? And with massive credit to him, you know, they have supported me nonstop through it. Um, I talk to Bo every week, you know, if, if I've got any issues or anything like that. And same with him, if, if I've got a client that's been offered something that he's got a client in and I've maybe dealt with it beforehand, you know, we talk constantly and he's a great help in supporting me. And yeah, I, I decided to, to leave Berlin and Reeve, create Apollo, and I, like I say, they helped me through it a lot because in most agencies' contracts, as was in mine, you're not allowed to represent clients from the agency for a specific amount of time. Um, some insist that you go on gardening leave for six months, some insist that you 12 months you can't represent any of those clients, etc. etc. And when I said that I wanted to leave and they wanted to help me, they felt that it wasn't An agent's right to say to an actor, you can't be represented by someone. Mm -hmm. So we approached all my clients and we said, Michael's leaving, do you want to be represented by Michael or stay with Berlin and Reeve? And all but three or four came with me. It was about 40 odd clients. And I was incredibly uh, lucky to have such amazing clients who felt that I was doing a good enough job that i cared and that were willing to come and take that risk and and even the few that that stayed you know i speak to them constantly and Mm -hmm. and i understand their decision not to come because it's it can be a bit of a risk for an actor Mm -hmm. and it's worked in some instances and it's not worked in others Mm -hmm. but i hope that those clients that i currently represent feel that that was a risk worth taking Mm -hmm. uh yeah
0: amazing that sounds so lovely yeah do you know what I love
1: my clients a lot, each and every single one of them, they're, they're amazing people. I, I, When I grew the agency, I made it very clear that I wanted to create something that wasn't just, oh you're talented, or you've got credits. It was more than that, it was, if an Apollo client is in a job in the West End, or a job on tour, anywhere, and I meet somebody else on that job, and I say, oh you know, they're in that show. Oh my god I love that person is the normal response because there's a lot of people that come in this room and been incredibly talented Mm -hmm. so much so that I've sat there and gone they are going to work non-stop but just didn't click with me Mm. or didn't click with Cleo and we just felt that it wasn't the right fit I know a lot of people are you know it's a lot about money for me I couldn't care about money as if it's my clients money that's when I care but as long as I pay the bills for this office the amount of money I make in a specific year, the amount of money uh, you know, it, it that that means nothing to me. What means something to me is the clients being happy with their representation and people knowing that Apollo represent their clients really well. You know? Yeah. So yeah
2: seems like you've got an awesome thing yeah. to here. I, I hope
1: so it's it's been Obviously it's been place. hard to make certain decisions yeah. with regards to very 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 talented people mm-hmm. um, but we've been very careful about who we take on yeah. you know we've got a very small list compared to to other agents and a lot of actors you know I'll say this on the podcast you know a lot of actors when you say the amount of people they go oh my gosh that's a lot of people I'd say the average for an agent is about 80 that's just my opinion. That's not. A, a law written down somewhere I'd say 80 is about an agent and an assistant as a team that's how many you have we have 60 and so we're able to really represent those clients yeah. and to, to to sort of relate it to mental health because mental health is so important to me we implement ideas to make sure that people are supported in every way possible so as an example when you join Apollo you get a whatsapp group Every single client gets a WhatsApp group between me, Cleo, and the client. And so what that means is we can communicate really quickly, really easily. You know, if there's a video that they want to send, you know, we always say to our clients, please send us videos of you singing, dancing, acting. Like we love, watching you so send that across maybe it's because i'm uh, i'm in my 30s and, and i'm single and i've got no life i don't know but i've sort of jumped into my career and i, I love speaking to my clients so mm. last night a, a client sent me um a hilarious thing that happened on i'm not going to go into any details <laughs> but um something that they found hilarious they'd they'd sent me um, a little a little screenshot of it at one o'clock in the morning and I was there I don't know why I was up at that time but I was there and we had a good laugh about it we were talk I was talking with about four or five clients about Love Island because I think it's important to have those non-work yeah. things so that they feel that they have someone to talk to that okay it's Love Island and you know it is my guilty pleasure yeah. but you know it's slight side point here, but watching Love Island for me as an agent is interesting because I get to learn about new personalities and Mm. difficult personalities, I'm sure. Um, And so it gives me an idea of how to maybe deal with those sorts of uh, personalities. One of the things that, you know, when I did my research on what people want in an agent the things that they don't like is no communication. Yeah. So I'll send an email, not get a response for days, weeks, not get a response at all, which there are certain agents out there that do. In the same way you get good films, bad films, whatever. There's good agents, there's bad agents. There is a lot of different ways to be an agent. I feel that we do it in a very unique way. I know several agencies that are very close to us and in the way that they do, and, and I will always praise them and 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 say they're a fantastic agency um and there are some agencies out there that, that don't and and I would never badmouth any any agent because it's not my place to do so I don't know how they run their agency and what they do you'll have somebody come in here and say oh I was with this person and they wouldn't do this and this and this and I think to myself okay that's fine it's like being in a relationship you yeah. come in and say well I split up with my boyfriend and he was this, this 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 and this I'm sure if he came in he'd say the exact same thing and you just yeah. go do you know what that's your relationship yeah. that's your problems and I'm not gonna dislike that person in the same way I'm not gonna dislike another agency because of what one person says because I'm sure in every agency someone's going to feel unhappy in, in whatever way except Apollo obviously ah. um, but yeah no I, I think that's important and so when hearing that communication was such an issue I said to clear right what can we do to make sure that our clients feel that they can talk to us at any time well Communication these days is, is, is all about social media and all those yeah. sorts of things, and so this is becoming the norm uh, in how to communicate. And so, you know, a lot of other agents who I might say to them, Hey, yeah, we talk to our clients on WhatsApp non stop. They're like, What? I don't care, I don't mind yeah. talking to them. I like talking I to them, they're it's nice so people.
2: Yeah. Absolutely so important because then it gives them the, the confidence if they have a mental health issue and have. A massive anxiety before an addition they feel that they can pick yeah. up the phone and talk to you yeah. so I think it's absolutely incredible what also, you're doing. some people don't
0: don't like picking up the phone they get nervous picking up the phone to their agent or they get nervous yeah. to send an email and emails can sometimes seem very formal so like having a little whatsapp group just like oh by the way I, I did this or I'm gonna sing this for us. Yeah, yeah. voice, from voice from notes we get all the time. Voice
2: notes. We love a voice oh. note. Love a good voice note. No, we give
1: auditions out like that way. We just say, Hey, uh, you've got an audition, this and the other, let me know when you can confirm. Great, confirm. Fantastic. Love and we're known to, with the casting directors of getting back to them really quickly. And you know, yeah. we 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 have specific things that we've implemented in the agency. So as an example, every two or three months I work with my clients one-to-one. For an hour each, uh, through Saturday and Sunday, currently we're 10 a.m. till 8 p.m. or 9 p.m. I take no money for it, but what I do is I bring in a top class singing teacher and we go to singer space in Piccadilly Circus. And I work one-on-one with them to make sure, one, that their, their rep is the right thing. The amount of people that go into an audition and don't have the right rep, present it in the wrong way, All of these things are giving the casting director, choreographer, director, MD or any of those people involved in the creative process an opportunity to to not give you the job. So why not as an agent have that input? If somebody goes for headshots, we've got several incredible headshot photographers that we work with, naming Mug Photography, uh, Michael Carlo, fantastic, likable people that make their that let their clients relax. But beforehand, we're on WhatsApp. They're in I don't know Next, and they're taking photos of loads of tops. And so we go, that's perfect for you. That's great for you. You know, we say, you know, if if they've got an audition and they're like, I don't know what to sing or I don't know, I don't have a monologue or whatever it may be, we're like, great. Well, we've got a database of sheet music so let's work together in making sure that you've got the right song for that audition i was very lucky enough to and i won't name names of which room i was in but i was i had the amazing opportunity to sit on the panel recently of of an audition and there was a client in there that uh, that came to this audition and it just gave me a real insight, and now I know exactly what to do with that with that client to make sure that she nails auditions in the future. Yeah. And so I'm able to get into a room with that person and go, right, this is what you need to do, this is what you need to do, this is what you need to do. And you know, we work through acting, through song. I'm, I'm you know, I'm quite tough on them. And then if they need a bit of, a, a bit of a kick up the ass, you know, I say to them, look, you're not being as good as you can be. But we do it in a supportive way, and and our clients really love. The fact that they get to work with me personally and yeah. and Cleo personally because they are able to sort of show me what they can do, yeah. you know.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Do you think that as agents in the industry, the this approach? should be taken on with more agencies to support their clients further in regards to mental health
1: and... It's really difficult for me to tell any other agent what to do and what course, not to yeah. do. I'm sure there are a lot of agencies, I know there are a lot of agencies that would say that's just too much, mm-hmm. you're, you're doing more than you're meant to mm-hmm. and I support that. But because I have the time, because I care a lot about the clients, because I'm able to do that, I don't think it's in the job description, put it that way. Yeah, yeah. I just mm-hmm. think I have the time to do it and I want to do it and so... I'm going to do it Um, Mm. and what it does is it produces results I take no money from those weekends but they get jobs and they pay me back in in the future and and it's all massively paid off you know recently I've taken on a lot of grads when I first started because that was really the only source of people that I was getting that of any quality and you know they struggled they really really struggled I've got a client called Daisy Edwards from Erdang. And she's incredible. She's so incredibly talented, um, but she struggled through audition. She'd go in, she's very nice, lovely, lovely girl, very polite. And so what she'd do is she, she'd sort of almost let people go in front of her and, and not really command the space. And so we really worked together on making sure that she went into an audition and commanded the stage, took the room and she was in charge of it. And just slowly but surely, she got better and better. audition. She kept getting more recalls and more recalls. And then eventually, she was in the finals for Matilda. And then she just missed out on that. And then finally, she got an offer for Fame. If you go and see Fame right now, no offence to anybody else in the show, they're all incredibly talented. I'm biased. But yeah. she's just a star on that stage. You know, Nick Winston, a great director uh, and choreographer, he absolutely loves her and and she's now been moved from offstage swing to onstage swing she's now assistant dance captain and the difference in her mm-hmm. personality and the way that she walks into a room now is just, it's miles apart from where she came out of college yeah. and to me, that's why I love my job and she won't stop working now yeah. because yeah. she's got that confidence and you know, it's, sometimes it's really, really hard to watch somebody struggle and struggle through auditions and beat themselves up yeah. and so again, we implement something where every morning we try our best text our clients say hey you ready for today you know everything all right you know we might send them a gif you know the uh uh, is it rob schneider i forgot his name but the goes you can do it you know those sorts of things where it's a bit of you know it's 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 a bit of banter and and then after the audition we say how'd it go and then if they say look i got cut we're like cool no worries Mm -hmm. like not a problem because when you come out of college or you've come from an agency that don't do this you really think that being cut from an audition is a bad thing and as the incredible James Pearson said on one of your podcasts it's not always the case that it's because you're rubbish or because you're it's because you're not right how many people have been cut that are now in the West End that are my clients like and and it's nothing to do with that and the incredible Pamela Blair who I know you know she had a tough time as well you know she she really struggled with getting that final audition and securing a job and she was in my room you know a, a few months probably a few months ago now where she'd gone into the final of Catskill with and she just got in the room and she just fell apart we have a, a an open door policy here the the doors always open for all of our clients to come in sit on the couch we have a we have a duvet in here if they want to just chill. We've had clients chill in here for hours and just sit while we work and just play music. And she came in and she, you know, she she really beat herself up about it. you know. And I said, don't worry, these things happen. You are incredibly talented and it just is a matter of time before you then get the next thing. And then within two weeks, she's now playing first cover lead uh, in Curtains of the UK Tour, um, produced by an amazing team at DLAP. Who are a fantastic set of producers who really care about their casts and making sure that their contracts are correct and making sure that their cast are looked after and um it's nice to see that um, but they've already said to me that you know that they they think Pamela's is incredible and I'm like it's just a matter of time just relax and any you know advice for performers out there. Patience. Graduates, it's not a race. It's not about who gets the job first, it's about longevity, it's about getting the right jobs. There are people that have come out of college who haven't got a job, and they look at some people who have and they've gone, oh, and you're like, don't worry. The first year out is the most important because you learn about auditioning. It's only a matter of experience. Um, you can't learn that at college so it's about patience it's about taking an experience and learning from it and that's why it's important for me and my clients to make sure that they don't feel any pressure they don't feel any pressure towards the end of my career I wasn't getting recalls and I wasn't getting many auditions and I just felt like I was going I don't know when the next one's going to be so I need to get this one and I was putting so much pressure on myself and it was just unwanted pressure um, unneeded pressure it's not a word but we'll go with it um, <laughs> but yeah it's, it's important to have patience relax, believe in yourself because the amount of people on my books right now who've gone through tough times and are now finally coming to where they, they deserve to be um, is, is a ridiculous amount yeah.
2: incredible. You're incredible Oh thank Not you, stop it here.
0: And now a word from our sponsor King Manual Therapy Hi everyone, it's Stephen King from King Manual Therapy in Covent Garden I'm going to be talking to you about the benefits of vocal massage. So the benefits to vocal massage are Number one, it keeps your voice free and healthy. Number two, it keeps your mental health good in relation to your vocal production. Number three, it makes your voice more reliable more of the time. This particularly matters for auditions, for shows for anything you've got coming up, including public speaking.
2: Um, I was going to ask you, so obviously there's quite a lot of unrepresented actors in the industry. Yeah. What advice would you give to um, an artist who is unrepresented and struggling to get an agent? Because obviously it can feel like you know you, you can't get indoors, what's the point, etc, etc. What advice would you give to those that are seeking representation but struggling?
1: It's a tough game. There are a lot of people out there, you know, from... I remember before I became an agent, I said, why aren't agents getting back to us about applying for representation and things? And then I became an agent and (laughs) we get something like 15 to 20 representation emails a day and it would literally be a new wage. I'd have to get somebody in or it would be most of my job to reply to everyone, which is why on our website and it's something that I really wanted to do but I just, it was something that I had to um, give up on really, was getting back to people. It's all about timing to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. Even with us, if I email a casting director a push, normally I'm on the phone, but again, even when on the phone with emails or on the phone, it's about catching them at the right time. If I call a casting director and they are literally rushing out the door because they've got to go to the theatre and they've got this that and the other or they've got 7,000 auditions to get out there, pushing is, is, is almost pointless. Yeah. Whereas if they've just sat down, they've just finished lunch and they're looking at submissions for something and you push at the right time that person's in the door Mm -hmm. you know which is why i think a lot of what we do and our you know the chats that we have in this office is about when's the right time to push to to not push to bring up feedback all those sorts of things it's about the right timing not to get on anyone's nerves but at the same point pushing for the sake of your client um so yeah in terms of representation keep pushing don't get disheartened by no responses um but it, it it's It's a hard game. You've got to make yourself different from other people and always, always, always send clips. Mm -hmm. Just go into Pineapple and and get a room and record yourself dancing Mm -hmm. because the amount of people that we see, it's just a ridiculous amount. Do your research on the agency. Don't be bland. Essentially, a little bit of insight into the way that I think agents look at cover letters is, we're looking for keywords. So even if you've had finals or something, Constant finals for this, that, and the other, or you've you've had a job. It's short enough, but you just see those words, Mm -hmm. you know. So nothing majorly long, but don't stop believing in yourself. It's just about the right timing.
2: Don't stop believing. From we just came into my head.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that song. I don't. I absolutely don't. But I do.
2: So, is
0: there anything about agenting that can affect your mental health? It's obviously a massively difficult but also rewarding job but what are the challenges of it
1: great question i think the biggest obstacle for me is pleasing clients i take a lot of it to heart you know i will do my best my absolute best to pick up the phone to push all my clients i have no problem with 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 saying to a casting director they're incredible i think that if you spoke to most casting directors they'd say that i never stop talking about work um i'm always i'm always sort of not, uh, not trying to sell a client, because I think it's important for an agent to, when they go out for a, for a drink with a, with a casting director, who a lot of them are very good friends of mine, you know, it, I try not to really push a client, because what they want is they want a normal human being. Mm-hmm. And if you become close with them, that's when you can pick up the phone and have a good, nice conversation and say, by the way, you need to see this person because... But, you know, if, if a client comes in... You know, recently there was, there was a project where the casting director has never really cast anything before. Now, of course, I've not developed a relationship with that casting director as much as i have with everyone else and so they almost didn't do their research and don't really know the right agents to to speak to and the right agents to get their clients in from so no matter what i do getting as many clients as I, as i get for you know other other jobs is is a difficult thing and so when a client then texts me and goes can i please be seen for you know I'm, i i Uh, am I being seen for this have I been submitted for this what's going on it's really quiet I sometimes suffer with almost disappointing them you know and it's important for me to to make sure that I you know as long as I've done my best then I'm normally fine but that's probably the biggest difficulty because I care so much about my clients it's it's hard to, to to make sure that they're all very happy at all times in situations such as that where a casting director just hasn't has never cast anything or something like that. Yeah, I
0: don't know. Yeah. So what is one thing that you wish that clients knew, not clients, actors knew uh, about being an agent?
1: I would probably say that most agencies are not just out there to gain commission. As an example, there's a misconception with this in this industry that if you get the job yourself, you don't need to give commission to an agent. Now, the problem with this, and I was as an actor, that's exactly how I thought. I thought, well, the job is to get you a job, and that's it. The problem is, is, it's not just about getting you a job. There is so much more that we do, whether it's to do with the sessions that we do every few months, whether it's to do with the support that we give through coming in this room, getting them through the audition. You know, sometimes somebody might be in the audition room going through mental breakdown, and you're, like, texting them going, right, this is what you do from A to B, and da 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 And that's part of what we do there is also constantly speaking to casting directors about people that are in jobs at the moment that will be coming out and saying how amazing they are but it's also about constantly working throughout the year and you think agents work 12 months of the year for you as a client I can only talk about myself but I'm constantly thinking about all the clients and we again we implement things within our day-to-day life where we make sure that that happens Mm -hmm. and so if we work 12 months of the year and you come in and you say look i've got this project that somebody's got me you know here's what happens i'm very lucky that all most of my clients if not all my clients always come to us and say i'd like you to represent me for this like we have no issue with you taking money i'm like fantastic because what happens is if you get into that job and there's an issue whether it's to do with bullying mental health A situation with the company manager, a situation with the producers, whatever it is, we are there 100%. I am there for all my clients if they do a job where it's free. I will support them just the same if they do it for free or if they don't. And so what happens is, it's just the general view that because we are as a team, we go into things and use one of your contacts to get a job, great. We'll look after the contract for you, we'll negotiate it for you, and we hope that through the representation that we give, that you want that to happen, yeah. and therefore we do take the commission. But that's not us going, well, you know, we're greedy and we want the money, it's that we work our asses off. 12 months of the year and how often does an actor work throughout the year on average maybe about three or four months mm-hmm. okay one year you might get a west end job and you work the whole year but then the next you know yeah. you don't work at all and 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 we've worked that whole time and so yeah. I think there is a misconception within actors that that happens and that's something that's that I wish great. actors understood yeah. a little yeah. bit more of because it's hard to have that conversation of sure going yeah I am going to take commission on that not because I think oh my God, I'd like a little bit of extra money for... Again, I don't care about that side of money things. It's just about making sure that we value ourselves yeah, because we value absolutely. our clients a lot. And if anybody ever says, you you know, well, you do it for free, we're always the first person to say no. And we are constantly, constantly trying to get people in the room that we really never forget about them. We have a meeting once or twice a week where we literally go through the client list completely top to bottom and talk for at least... At least a few minutes on each client about whether they asked for something that has either not been done or forgotten about, which is very rare for us because you know we we we're trying to keep on top of that. Um, but it's always that to make sure: are they happy? Are, do do we feel like we're doing a good job for them? And do we feel that the projects that are out there that they are right for? they are being put forward for and being pushed for it's important for me not to ever forget about someone because i was a part of an agency that had a few more people and so i was almost a little bit forgotten about it's very much a you know we'll take on talented people we'll see who gets a job if not we'll drop them the amount of people we've dropped is a very small amount the amount of people that left me in my whole career as an agent is on one hand um because i really care about them because i make sure that they we make sure that they're cared for Um, And it's not just about me. Um, I have the best assistant in the entire industry in Cleo Spear. Between us, we are always there for our clients, whether it's chatting to them at one o'clock in the morning because they've got issues with an audition. Slightly moving on a little tangent, we have several clients who have opened up to us and said, I've got mental health issues. Mm -hmm. We've had several clients in here cry their eyes out, um, not know what to do. We've had people in here that have admitted to self-harm. They've admitted to being close to suicide. Um, and it's really important for me and Cleo to make sure that those people are supported and that they don't feel like they've got no one. Yeah. You know, and, and that comes from an event that happened a couple of years ago. I was at Bolan and Reeve at the time. There was a girl that many people might know uh, called Olivia Faulkner who was one of the most talented, beautiful girls that came from Lane she gave herself a lot of pressure she was born with something to do with her I don't know the details of it but she beat herself up about it but actually looking at her she was beautiful and she was the most amazing dancer she had the most fantastic voice she graduated from Lane she joined Bo at Bolin and Reeve but I was his assistant at the time so I was just as close to her and she got Pippin here at the Hope Mill in Manchester another fantastic venue and she was again brilliant and then Pippin got transferred to Southwark and in between she she committed suicide. And I had a few lanies that were close to her. I also had a girl who was one of her best mates and I had to tell her. And it was so difficult. It was so difficult because I couldn't let my emotions show because I had to be there for those people. And it hit home eventually, once I'd sort of got over that. So now from that I have implemented things within the company and Cleo and I support our clients through everything. We text them before and after auditions. We, you know, If we haven't spoken to them in a while, we'll give them a quick text to say, hey, how are you? How's things going? If we know that they are, they suffer from mental health, we're constantly in touch, making sure they're okay. And that's really important yeah. to make sure they've got yeah. the support. And yeah, it probably isn't the job of an agent to, to be a support counsellor. That's not in our job description, but it's important to me. So yeah. I do it it's essentially the answer that I'm giving I want to do it
2: yeah is there any support out there for for agents for example
1: no probably not I think it's really difficult for an agent to come out and have mental health issues because we're looked at as somebody that that has people's careers in their hands Mm -hmm. you know you might go to college for three years and you've created this incredible product and you're essentially giving it to the agent and going, I'm trusting you, please, please make it into something massive and and, and that's, that's a responsibility. And you know, there are probably agents out there that take that for granted. Yeah. We don't, you know, Cleo and I really don't. And we try and make sure that they know that we understand how much of a responsibility that yeah. is.
0: So our final question, which we ask everybody, Um, Could you or do you think that you should be able to walk into a room today and say I'm having a bad mental health day?
1: Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I think that it's important to acknowledge that mental health is exactly the same as having a cold, having having pneumonia, having whatever it is, it's an illness. I think it's difficult to do so, but such a hard question because yeah. to implement it is going to be really, really difficult. But yes, I do, I do believe that we should be working towards a world where mental health is seen as much of an issue as other illnesses are. It's really difficult to, to get to that point. But the more that we talk about it, the more that we support our fellow actors, our fellow agents, our fellow casting directors, our fellow everyone... We're all in it together, and I I despise this hierarchy thing. At the agency, we don't tell you what to do. If we get an offer, if we get an audition, we would never turn it down without talking to you. There are a few agents out there that will go, you know, it's not enough money, it's 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 not the right project for you. It's not. That's a decision that we make together. We're very much a team. Um, between me, Cleo, and the client, and you know, if somebody wants to do something, we will advise them strongly, don't do this because of this, this and this, do do this, the, this is our opinion. But it's your career at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. There are several roles that some clients have taken, where you've said, just to let you know, you're going to have money issues here. The producer mm-hmm. is no, not to pay, da, 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 da. but they've gone, I really just want to work. And I've gone, totally understand, mm-hmm. totally understand. Sometimes you think to yourself, it's not worth it, but You've made that clear to them, and they make that decision to go for it. Then you'll support them one hundred percent.
0: Fab, thank you so much, Michael. We just have a very quick game. Okay, it's another quick fire. There we go. This is finished. I'm not very good at these. Okay. Um, my favourite breakfast is pancakes. A book I would recommend to anyone is
1: *To Kill a Mockingbird*.
0: The first thing I do when I get into the office is.
1: Say hello to Cleo.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is one that you kind of answered at the beginning. My favourite press night drink is, you don't have to answer if you don't Do want to. Do you know
1: what? <laughs> uh, probably a Disarono and Diet Coke.
0: Lovely. Yes. The best Harry Potter character is...
1: Ooh, I'm going to have to go with Harry. Yeah. Yes.
0: Uh, mental health to me is...
1: Incredibly important to
0: fix. Mm. If I could live anywhere in the world, it would be...
1: Los Angeles.
0: Ooh. And finally, today I am grateful for
1: my clients.
0: Lovely. Thank you so much for joining us. We've absolutely loved our time here at the lovely Apollo I don't want to end, Honestly, it's it's been so
1: lovely to meet you both. Thank you so much for coming by. Thank Thank
0: you,
2: honestly. Thank you so much for listening to Industry Minds and we hope you enjoyed this week's episodes. Don't forget to subscribe to be the first to listen to our new episodes which are out every Thursday. If you are interested in our counselling service, please email maryindustryminds at gmail.com or just get in touch with us. For news on future guests and events, oy oy, please check out our Instagram and Twitter accounts over at Industry Minds UK. Thank you so much for listening and we'll be back with you soon. Have a great week.
1: Bye. Bye. Bye.